Well, hello, everyone. My name is Jared Causey, and you're listening to Causey's Conversations. Um, if you uh, have not yet uh, listened to uh, episodes one through three, um, I encourage you to go back and listen to those now. Um, if not, if you're just here to check out um, this episode uh, tonight, uh, that we're that we're doing tonight, uh, you know, you're more than welcome to just continue to listen to this episode. Uh, I want to thank you for tuning in. Um, I'm sure most of you are tuning in uh, to listen to our uh, to hear from our guest here, Demiron. Uh, I have Demiron here. Um, he is a good brother in the Lord. Uh, he used to be a Baptist. Now he's Presbyterian. So uh, we'll forgive him there. No, I'm just joking. Uh, we I love my Presbyterian brothers and sisters. They're great. Uh, the PCA is a great denomination. Love those guys. Um, and uh, but anyway, Demiron's here. He's uh, going to talk to us a little bit about. Uh, who he is, but I'm going to let Demara introduce himself and uh, tell tell us a little bit about himself and uh, just some more details about his life. Yeah, thanks for having me today. It's a it's a joy to uh, uh, listen from afar and to participate. Uh, but uh, name's Demara Haynes. Uh, grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, the oldest of five children. Um, grew up uh, primarily for most of my life with my single mom. Um, spent all of my uh, yeah, all of my childhood, graduated from high school there. Uh, became a a Christian before the summer before my senior year of high school. So, a uh, band director um, who loved the Lord. Uh, I played trumpet for about been playing for about thirteen years now. So, a band director um, invited me to start playing trumpet at his church, and it was through um, their uh, faithfulness and speaking of Christ, and then their. Um, love for each other and their love for others around them that drew me um that drew me to the, the faith and i've been um walking with the lord now since then um after that after i went to high school i uh, went to mcneese state university uh got connected. yeah uh, <laughs> got connected to all my that's where i got all my lake charles connections um and became a uh started attending college ministry at a church called south street baptist church uh uh, at the time, it was called 635, and then um, through the relationships there, was just discipled intensively by that that entire church. Um, so uh, grew exponentially during my uh, two and a half years down there, and uh, I, I always tell them when I'm down there that it felt like they were um, finding a, a a boy who was very much in love with Christ, but didn't have any theological bearings. Mm-hmm. So was very much at the time a a walking heretic so um, they, <laughs> they rooted my love for the lord and all of that in scripture and uh just started loving the bible so since meeting them i've loved the bible and loved the god of the bible um more and more um throughout my christian journey so after that um ended up taking an internship in chicago decided to stay in chicago um met my wife we've been married for two years my wife's name is Haley. And we had our uh, first son, um, Ezra, um, about 17 months ago, and then we're expecting our second child in April. So uh, the Lord has been gracious um, and can't can't thank him enough. Um, like going quickly over your salvation journey just reminds you of how God mm. saves and chooses and mm. um, what person's heart and continues to bring that work into completion at the day of completion at Christ Jesus. So. Yeah. 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 So um, you um, you preached at South Street at the at a D now uh, recently. Mm-hmm. Was that last February? 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, Kent asked you to come. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, Kent's a good brother. Oh, um, yeah. They asked me to come down for, um, we, I preached on the topic of the image of God. So Ooh. that was really cool um, to walk with uh, middle and high school students, too. Like, that's such an yeah. important doctrine. And then mm-hmm. got to preach Sunday morning, which is my, uh, my one of my most uh, favorite things to do is to encourage God's right. people from its word. Um, yep, currently pursuing pastoral ministry. So. Yeah. The Lord yeah, shout out to Kent, Kit Shepherd. Um, he mentored me um, a lot uh, when I was doing youth ministry, so I can't thank him enough. He's he's a great brother. He loves the Lord. He's he's honestly, if I tell some like my favorite youth pastor is Kent Shepherd. Like I'm not saying that just to puff him up or whatever. I really am saying that like he I think he's doing some great things. Um, and he just he helped me out. But that's that's really cool, man. You, uh, the Lord brought you sovereignly brought you from Shreveport to Lake Charles. Open the doors to where you met the Cell Street Ministry, 635. Mm-hmm. Um, and we met, actually, did we meet through 635? Did we meet through the BCM, Magnus BCM? We actually had a, uh, our freshman, um, the, like the freshman class. Uh-huh. That what's the class together? It was me, you, and Ryan Potts. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Ryan, yeah. yeah. We also met at, um, the BCM was doing an event at Trinity. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So, we that. so I think that's where we met, and then that was that's before your Calvinist days. So. Oh, that, <laughs> hey, don't tell him that. And that was also before my uh, over two hundred pound days. <laughs> yeah, that was back when I was like one hundred eighty pounds. I'm still trying to get back to that, man, and it's not working. Um, I'm just gonna say that, but um. Anyway, that's another story. That's another podcast episode. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, I remember those days. Um, just uh, getting to, to experience Cell Street um, to a little bit. I did, I wasn't involved in Cell Street's ministry, 635. Um, I kind of wish I was. Um, I would have been. Um, I, w- I really regret that, to be honest. Um, but I, I'm also thankful that I was involved with the BCM like I was. So I wish I kind of would have split my time up more. Um, but, um, anyway, that's another, another topic, but, um, that's, that's really cool, man, that, um, you know, God also brought you back to Chicago or up to Chicago, not back to Chicago, up to Chicago. And there you met Haley, your wife. Um, how, how did y'all meet? What, what, what's the story behind that? Yeah, we both met at a uh, church. We were both attending at the time. So my wife had been there. Uh, she had been there for about three years and I was just, um, got to connected to the church, um, uh, uh, much later and then we met there um and eventually asked her on a date and we went and so uh went on a series of dates and decided to get married so we we are we are quick ones so we uh, yeah did together we got we uh dated for six months got engaged engaged for eight months Amen. got were married for two months got pregnant and dude hey if you don't years, do it yeah. fast you're not doing it at all yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, I've met Haley. I think, I mean, I'm I, um, at the D now that you did for, or no, not D now, but it was like a fall retreat, I think, uh, that you you preached yep. at. That was great, man. I I wish I recorded those sermons, man. I'd be listening to those things every day. Um, but uh, I I met Haley there. I think that was before Ezra was born. I'm pretty sure. So I I remember that. Um, and Andrew was there. Um, Andrew and Anna were there. Um, good times, very good times. Uh, I'm, I'm, that was an enjoyable time of my life for sure. But um, so t- today we're talking about what is the local church, 
and discipleship. A little bit about discipleship. Um, Demarion, you told me that you are kind of focusing on dis- discipleship in your ministry right now. You're, you're kind of discipling middle school yeah. and high school middle, students? Or, yeah, middle school. Okay. Now, um, the church, what, what church do you go to? Uh, I go to Boulevard Presbyterian Church, okay. the PCA Church. PC, yeah. Um, and that's the distinction between the, the PCUSA. Is that that's correct? Uh, y'all, y'all, yeah. The PCA came out of the PCUSA Church. Years ago, I assume, right? Is that is that correct? Yeah. So in the in the seventies, um, the PC USA was uh, beginning to grow more and more um, liberal. Um, so uh, many of the the founding fathers of the PCA were in Louisiana, Jackson, Alabama. Um, ended up breaking off from the PC USA and forming the PCA, um, which is still primarily a southern southern uh, denomination. It's the largest Presbyterian, Presbyterian denomination right now. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, and it's been cool to see the Lord's growth. So as the PC USA and a lot of those mainline denominations have declined, yes. but those conservative Bible-preaching, gospel-centered yes. churches are flourishing. So yes, that's great. for that. So. Yeah, amen. Praise the Lord. Um, so, Damaran, um, today, so, so since we're talking about what is local church, I think we need to start with what is the gospel? How would you articulate the gospel in, um, in the best way that you, you can? Yeah, uh, I would say the gospel is the, the triune God of the Bible, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, has graciously and uh, joyfully saved the people um, to himself through the uh, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, um, uh, that where we were once uh, condemned under sin, um, and once enslaved to it, and once deserving of wrath, um, God has placed all of that wrath upon his son uh, mm-hmm. for um, his people, um, and that's the gospel that we uh, preach, proclaim, uh, believe uh, every single day. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Amen. Um, so, so knowing that, um, Based on that definition of the gospel that you presented, which which I I absolutely affirm that, uh, what how would you define the church? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say like thinking of like the universal church first. So um, the church is made up of um, God's people who He has um, decided to save from eternity past. So um, all the saints who have trusted in Christ, um, both who are now in heaven and those who are um, living on earth who are trusting in Christ and even those who will one day trust in Christ. Yeah, sorry, that was Amy. Amy was, was, was right there. Um, I don't Anyway, so, um, well, that's, uh, that's cool. <laughs> sorry. Um, so the, the local church, um, so you would distinguish the universal from the local. How, how would you go about doing that? Yeah, so I think uh, the, the universal church is um, all of God's people across denominations, um, all those who have been regenerated by the Spirit, um, though that is the universal church. Um, I would say the local church is uh, a gathering of those believers in a local expression. So uh, it's while we all are, all of God's people are connected to a local uh, universal church, God has commanded us also to be connected to a, a local body that is tangible flesh and blood. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, one thing that, um, in fact, Ligonier Ministries just came out with a survey recently. I don't know if you saw that. Um, mm-hmm. And um, one of the surveys, uh, survey questions they asked uh, both evangelicals and people outside evangelicalism, 
they asked him, you know, is it, um, you know, is it appropriate or is it okay for you to essentially substitute, you know, gathering by yourself in your bedroom or in your closet or in your office or whatever, and just spending time with God and God's word and prayer and stuff like that. Is that a good substitute or is that an okay substitute um, for the local church? And most evangelicals said, yes, that is. Um, you know, what, what's your thoughts on that? Is that, you know, someone going to Starbucks? Me, you know, say for example, hey, this Sunday, me and Amy, we can just go to Starbucks and just kind of hang out there and just go to church there. What, what do you think about that? I'm kind of curious. Yeah, I, in the, the most gentle way, uh, I would say it's uh, completely unbiblical. Uh, so <laughs> even, even when we see in scripture where, where God says, uh, or Jesus says, we're two or three gathered in my name, I am with them. Yeah. Um, I think that's a true statement, but that, in my opinion, still doesn't constitute a local church. So like me, uh, meeting, um, having a Bible study, I'm still not the local church. We're not the local church. We're yeah. a Bible study. Yeah. Um, so at least according to scriptures, there the scriptures, there's certain things that should be present if it's going to be a true yeah. local church. And uh, I would say I would, uh, the most succinct definition I've seen so far has come from the, uh, the reformers um, who said uh, a true church is one that is uh, preaches the whole counsel of God's word mm-hmm. um, that um, preserves the sacraments so that, mm-hmm. that does the sacraments rightly or the ordinances mm-hmm. um, and then lastly practices church discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would add uh, probably as um, the offices of elders and deacons, um, but I think I think I could say that those those are like the the bare requirements that I would would say yeah. constitute a local church. So if if any of those requirements are missing, whether yeah. that's the church discipline, no right preaching of God's word, or there's no sacraments, or sacraments have been taken out of their um, complete context, then I would call those churches not true churches. Okay. Uh, okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that, that, you know, honestly, that's kind of a controversial uh, probably position there. But, you know, um, I, I think I would, I would definitely agree with you on that. Now, for example, you know, you, you are um, you're you hold the position of pedo baptism. I know. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do not. I'm a, mm-hmm. um, uh, I am a believer's baptism dude, whatever you want to call it. Um, credo baptism, you know. Um, now that that you would you would disagree with the my doctrine of, of baptism there but would you still like for example terrace acres where i go to church at you would still mm-hmm. consider that a local church even though we don't practice infant baptism yes i would still go there i would still call it a church so i would i would call um most of conservative anglicanism i would call them churches most of um, baptist churches so there's a i think broad denominations yeah. i would call churches yeah. now i may disagree theologically yeah um, yeah uh, even some more extreme charismatic churches that I would disagree with, um, um, if they're preserving those certain things, um, I would call them churches. If they deviate from those things, um, yeah, then I would call them uh, false churches. Yeah, uh, then I would tell people to be cautious of going to probably more blatantly don't go there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. a church that perhaps, for example, I know this is kind of throwing a curveball at you a little bit, but um, I think this is a good a good question, uh, in my humble opinion. <laughs> um, the um, So if a church, uh, say the church, um, one of their doctrinal positions, maybe the pastor believes this, or elders, or you know the, the church as a whole agrees with this, um, say they, they, they would uh, say that, that um, for example, God, uh, Christ was not fully God. 
that um, maybe they uh, they kind of hold to a kenosis um, view. Um, they're they're so for example, um, they would say that that Christ emptied himself out of his God, his deity nature, so he became less than God, um, mm-hmm. still fully human. Um, so that I would consider that a heresy. Um, yeah. If if yeah, that that goes against the Council of Nicaea, um, and probably every one of them to be honest. Um, but that that's the one I read uh, most recently. So um, would you consider that a church if it has a heresy in it, like like that one, or how would you would you, what would you say about that 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 kind of church um, in quotes? Yeah, um, I would consider that to not be a church, and I would I would put that under the um, not preaching the the complete and full counsel of scriptures. Okay. Um, and if there's anything a church must get right, it must be the person and work of Christ. Yes. Um, and uh, while it's, it's, I think every church and um, the, the confessional standard I hold to is the Westminster confession. But uh, one of the things that the Westminster says is that every church is mis- mixed with air. Yes. So like we all, while I, I hold to these very sharp distinction in churches, I am, I know sin enough, and I know myself, and I know people well enough that all of our churches are mixed with error. Yes. But I think the difference between error that's based on sin and blindness and error that's based on heresy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well. Um, yeah. That's that's a that's a good answer. Um, I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. I haven't really thought about that too much until this conversation. To be honest, you know, would I consider that a church in actuality? Um, and that, that's a good that's a good point there. Um, and so that would, you know, um, I think that really strongly, um, su- it would suggest to me anyway that, that um, our, our pastors that we're training, and I know you, you have gone to seminary before and you may or may not go to seminary again. You're, that's kind of your, you, I know you've talked to me a little bit about that, that you may or may yeah. not. Yeah. I'll definitely go to seminary. Okay, you're definitely. Okay, that's a definitely. Where's the peace? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I as we're training, you know, seminaries are training their pastors. Um, I think that first, um, that first um, thing that you mentioned about what is a church that has to have uh, contain the uh, whole preaching of the whole counsel of God. Uh, I think that's so important. And I think um, like Southwestern is, such, is doing such a good job in that is um, like our motto is preach the word, reach the world. Um, I mean, we are called to preach the word as pastors and to reach the world with the gospel. And um, if we're not preaching, obviously, the whole counsel of God's word, we're essentially, we're, we're doing all these things in vain. Uh, we're, 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 you know, not abiding by um, God's commandments, um, and we're not uh, fulfilling the Great Commission, obviously, and that's, um, that's a big deal. And, um, and so I, I agree with you. The Reformers were, I think they were on target with that. Um, I wouldn't agree with all the reformers now, you know. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think there's those those three are important. So yeah. if any of those three are missing, I, I do think uh, ministries like Nine Marks they're very helpful. Yes. Like adding some of those layers. Like I would probably add if a church is not um, is not intentionally being missional and discipling others, I would bring into the, the question of the why they exist. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so if someone asks you, well, you know, what do I get out of going? To, I mean, this is kind of a selfish question, but but what do I get out of going to the local church? What would you tell someone? Yeah, uh, I think I would first. I think um, the the Sunday the Sunday morning, so the the corporate 
gathering um, of God's people. Mm-hmm. Um, like I hold to a uh, Sunday, it's the Lord's Day, and I think that's a day where we are to be gathered um, with uh, God's people, where we are reminded of the resurrection, uh, where we're reminded of the gospel and who God is and, and sin. So I think you, you're 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 brought into a a fellowship of people mm-hmm. that is meant to remind you of. Mm-hmm. A person and work of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say you are uh, brought into a family, like over and over in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul probably gives us the most robust theology of it, um, of that the church is a, is the family of God. Um, so that's a place where we find home, yeah. uh, where we find ourselves um, connected to people who share a something that's deeper than flesh and blood. Um, yeah. And I, I think that is that's so much what our culture is missing. Like we, we're on social media, we're connected to people, but we're still lonely people. Yeah, um, yeah. So for me, Sunday morning is where my my family gives way to a bigger family. So yeah. like Sunday, like intrudes upon my son's nap time. It it's it's not just me and my wife. It's it's like we're gathered with God's people mm-hmm. um, and belong to them. I, mm-hmm. I think you get the protection of. Accountability, mm-hmm. um, uh, of discipline. Like you have people um, who love you enough that eventually, if it, if it seems like your profession of faith is not credible, they are, for the glory of God and the love of your soul, are willing to excommunicate you from fellowship. So I think mm-hmm. you get the, um, the the love of God's people that's shown in tangible ways, yeah. um, and you get people who, um, in an imperfect way and testify to your salvation so um if you're not a member of a local church i would i would ask um who's who knows that you're actually a christian who has the authority that that you belong to christ and i think it's god's people who who know who who know who god's people are oh yeah that's good that's real good man um you, you hit on a few things there man that i just you know we can go i think we could talk about this all day um, one thing, and, and I apologize beforehand. I, I'm just kind of, I honestly am curious, and we didn't talk about this really. But are you, a, um, do you hold to the um, Westminster Confession insofar as you're a Sabbatarian? Yes, you are. Okay, okay, um, cool. All right. I would, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say myself as a strict one. Okay. Um, gotcha. I think, um, in the sense that I think the the Lord's Day is set apart for worship and rest, um, and it's. Um, something that hasn't been abolished. It is okay. something um, the, the the Sabbath have give, has given way to the Lord's Day. Um, yeah. Now that that differs from different families. Like we are as a family, will um, um, probably do some type of reading. We may um, we we try to spend that day publicly and privately worshiping. Okay. Um, so we still may go out and get go. We'll go buy. We'll, we'll probably won't buy anything, but we'll go. We'll have dinner with friends, um, but that's a day where we're, we're trying to spend the majority of our day in a, yeah. in a posture of worship and rest. So we okay. we nap and we do all those things. So. Amen, dude. I think we can all agree on that <laughs> right there. A nap. Whoo, Sunday naps, man. They are holy, bro. Holy. Yeah, they are. They are. There's there's something true about that. Rest yeah. Oh. Feels like a different nap. <laughs> it's like mama's home cooked meal. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean. Man, um, so uh, man, that's that's good stuff. Um, you know, uh, the Sabbatarian 
topic is, is sometimes controversial amongst Baptists because a lot of, you know, I think a lot of PCA guys and gals would, would, very few of them would maybe disagree with you. Maybe some of them are a little bit more strict than you or mm-hmm. less strict, but they would still agree, hey, I mean, I'm a Sabbatarian. Um, Sunday's the Lord's Day. Rest and worship, you know. Um, yep. You know, um, very very few Baptists I know are, are Sabbatarians, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them say that our rest, um, uh, the Sabbath was fulfilled in Christ. In the book of mm-hmm. Hebrews, it says something like that. Um, I haven't really dug too much into that part yet, of the book of Hebrews, if that's, you know, if that makes sense or not, but, um, you know, I understand where they're coming from, and, and, you know, so I don't really know if I'd call myself a Sabbatarian. I would lean that way for sure. I mean, how you explained it, I would agree with, so um, I don't know if that's cheating or not, but um, I'll just take your word for it, but no, um, so. Yeah, it's a broad topic, so I think it's, yeah. but it's also that piece of, it's so connected to what, yeah. to the the view of your view of the local church and yeah. how to see this thing picks up it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, and and so um, yeah, I think in, in we can we can hopefully most of us would agree that in some way this the Sabbath is still it, in some way it's still active in so far as it is a day that we are meeting together um, um, as a, the body of Christ as that local church um, yeah. you know to to worship and, and um, to hear God's word to pray together uh, to to. Um, hold each other accountable and then another thing you said that um, I kind of wanted to maybe expound on just a little bit more as much as you care to to be honest um, mm-hmm. is church discipline mm-hmm. um, the world looks at and a lot of even a lot of Christians I would say look at the mm-hmm. church discipline as an unloving thing in yeah. fact I would say most churches don't really have church discipline that I know of now I don't know what your experience is you might say no I that's crazy, man. Like there, there's like zero churches here that are not doing church discipline. That would be amazing. But um, you know, that's so important, and um, I think it is. And you said it's one of the three, requ- yeah. you know, requirements being a church. Wow, that's crazy. Um, wow, that's a lot of churches aren't <laughs> churches. That's crazy. Yeah. But and it is something that I've I've actually had the privilege of. And I, I, maybe not the privilege is not the best word, but I've been, um, I've been, I've visited the church at one time. My um, my wife's uncle is actually the pastor of the church. It's an Orthodox Presbyterian church, so um, another strand of Presbyterianism. But okay. this church, um, I was at their evening service, and they unfortunately had to um, um, participate in church discipline. There was a, uh, a husband who had. Um, left his wife, uh, abandoned his family, and uh, chose to um, be with another woman. Um, oh man! And this church probably handled it the most gracious way. They talked, they spoke from the pulpit, and they said, "This is the way that we uh, interact with this person. Is we're treating him as an unbeliever. That our fellowship is um, built upon him repenting and believing in the gospel. Um, every time we see him, um, the conversation is not a." A conversation just like old friends, but it's a conversation that you need to repent and reconcile with your wife. Um, this person was removed from sacraments, but the, the, the piece that was etched in my mind, I get emotional every time I think about it, is that this uh, this congregation, right after they the, the pastors told them the situation, they prayed, and they mm-hmm. said, Lord, bring him back. Yes. Um, all while his wife and children are sitting on the front pew. Yeah. So this is where it gets very yeah. concrete, but 
at this time, the church discipline always has a goal for restoration. Yes. Uh, the first goal is the glory of God. Like, we, yeah. we believe in a holy and righteous God, um, and we are called to uphold his holy and righteous character. Yeah. Uh, but we also uphold his his desire to reconcile sinners. Yes, uh, absolutely. So, for me, church discipline is um, not a not merely a theoretical topic, but it's very yeah, very real. What I want it's your your very soul is at stake. Yeah. At this point, we as a church can't affirm your salvation. Uh, oh, we no. can't we can't stand next to you and say this is a Christian brother or sister. At that point, we're saying that you are outside of the fellowship. Um, and I just think that's such a sobering thing, but it's also a thing that God has commanded us. So Absolutely. as a who's not a pastor, um, I think it's we, we pray for our pastors to do that well. And it's something that we don't rush to and we don't have angst about, but it's something that we're very much praying, cautious, and asking the Lord's grace to lead. Amen. That's good, man. That's... Thanks for sharing that story. That was good. Um, I mean, sad, but not good. You know, it was just very helpful and, and um, very enlightening, uh, for sure. Um, you know, church. Dis- the first church I ever went to that actually performed church discipline is um, the previous church that. Um, so I'm going to Terrace Acres right now with uh, my wife. Before we were married, though, I was going uh, as a single man. I was going to Redeemer Church uh, in Fort in uh, the Fort Worth area. Um, it's a um, I would say it's a more of a reformed church, a Calvinistic church. Um, by the way, for those that don't know what that means, um, that's another topic for another day. But just it, uh, it's a re- more of a reformed church, uh, reformed Baptist. But it's um, they they're very uh, when they've they've handled situations like that. Now I never witnessed a situation in which they were you know performed church discipline, but uh, I never witnessed it myself. But I've heard so many stories. Um, and, they, and just just exactly what you said about um, your brother-in-law is it your brother-in-law or uncle or her uncle-in-law uncle uncle okay uncle yeah um, you know that um, that story you just said it just reminds me so much of Redeemer like how they've handled those things um, unfortunately I've only been I'm, I've been going to Terrace Acres for about two months now we haven't gone through any church discipline you know yeah. uh, situations yet um, but you know um um, you know those those situations. You never want to see them because obviously you don't want to see someone walk away from the faith, the the, the gathering of believers. But at the same time, it's so necessary and good. It's for their good. It's it's for their good. It's not to be hateful. It's not to be unloving. It's to restore them, like you said, to reconcile them back to God's people. Um, and when they when they hurt the local church in which they did, and they hurt obviously their family when they sin against their family when they sin against their church um, they're ultimately sinning against God uh, first and foremost but um, it obviously our sin affects everyone around us you know for sure so um, that's really cool so church discipline man that's a, that's a heavy topic but it's definitely something that needs to be had and I encourage you if you're a pastor um, you know talk to Talk to your elders, talk to your leaders of your church in, in, in a process about how to do church discipline, um, how to go about doing that. That's important. Um, yeah. so. Jonathan Lehman's book, uh, Church Discipline, is a part of the nine-month series. Okay. The book is really helpful. Okay, um, yeah. I would, I would encourage everyone to take a look at the Nine March website. They have um, a lot of, despite if you agree with them theologically or not, they have a lot of helpful practical tools around yeah. church discipline. And talking about it as a, as a people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
so kind of taking a detour to a, a similar subject, that kind of another subject that kind of goes out, comes out of the uh, local church uh, subject, um, discipleship. That's something you're very familiar with. Um, you're doing that now uh, vocationally. Uh, what, um, first off, what is maybe what's the definition of discipleship? How would you define that? Yeah, I would, I would, I'm pretty, I'm pretty simple. There's long answers out there, but I think, uh, discipleship is, um, so if I'm discipling someone, my, 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 the only thing I'm really trying to do is helping another person follow Jesus. Um, that's my, that's, that's my, my biggest thing. So, um, it's basically helping a person, um, grow more and more in the image of Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Very, very straightforward. But I like it. Very good. Um, so, how do you go about doing discipleship? What? Yeah. Um, I think it, it it looks different from for different people and different seasons of happening for different churches. I think um, I, I think I'll talk to a, a local church level, and I'll talk to like more of a, a practical me to mine or me and, as a family individually. Um, so, uh, from a local church level, um, I think it, it starts central with gathering with God's people. I think the way that we are discipled as Christians, more than any other thing, is Sunday morning. Um, I think there we uh, we hear the gospel, um, we hear the scriptures read, um, we confess sin, we're assured that we're forgiven, um, we receive communion, we... Um, watch other people's baptism and in watching their baptism are reminded of our own baptism mm-hmm. um we're rebuked publicly from the pulpit depending on god's what, what's being preached we're comforted um, with god's promises in scripture um so i think that's the central um the central starting point for discipleship okay. uh, um, in my opinion and i think i think you can see that in, in scripture from the psalms calling all of the nations to worship god um, to the end of Hebrews, um, talking about not forsaking or neglecting the gathering of the saints, yeah. um, but stir one another up for good mm. works. Um, um, so out, outside of that, I think um, as a church, it can look different for different different churches. So I think um, small groups are helpful. Sunday um, Sunday school um, at our church, we do um, we have a Sunday school class, and then we do. Um, small groups um so like a men's fellowship a women's fellowship and then a bible study okay um we'll do a a youth group we're we're a church plant so things where we're very weary of being programmatic so we we try to push push away from that um so so from in your church it could be it's 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 you as as the elders or the pastors and even as members of the congregation you're taking upon yourselves to helping each other grow into the image of Christ, um, and I think on a more program level, programmatic level, personally uh, for us, that's looked differently. Um, sometimes it could be me and a guy um, reading a book together. Um, I'm very, it's very important to me that we share life together. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, so Paul says in First Thessalonians, I'm thinking it's chapter two, um, that you. You became so dear to us that we not only shared the gospel of God, but also our very lives. Yeah, Paul wow. Yeah. This church about this, and he was so eager to share his life. So, discipleship for me is both teaching and living out, living life with someone. So I may be teaching um, 
and we're walking through the book of Romans, but at mm. the same time, we're probably that person probably coming with me to go grocery shopping. They're yeah, probably coming with me. Dude, you stole my de- part of my definition, man. Come on, Damari, yeah. you've been you've been reading my journal. Now I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, so, so different things like that where I yeah. want to bring them into my life. Um, and then as a family, um, discipleship is like that's a like as a as a Haynes household, what we've committed to yeah. is disciple with others. Um, so that's been people living in our home for various seasons of life. Yeah. Um, that's um, yeah. So I think the possibilities are endless. Um, I think you're, it's just basically helping anyone follow follow Jesus. Yeah, that's um, awesome. That's great, man. Um, uh, you know, yeah. You, you, I, I was serious. I, I, one thing I was going to add to it, if you didn't say it, but you did, was living life with someone and helping them follow Jesus. Um, uh, I remember, you know, thinking about this one day. I was there was a trip that I took with a friend um, who I was, you know, kind of discipling a little bit. Um, it was it was kind of a mutual discipleship process. There wasn't one person discipling the other, like one was over the other in, in that sense. It was just kind of like we were just friends just hanging out and encouraging one another in our walk and um and so we just we went to an L S U baseball game together. Just me and him, yeah. we drove and ate dinner there in Baton Rouge and just went to a game and we fellowshiped. I mean, just like people like churches sometimes make it so complicated. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. dude, you love fishing? Your disciple, the guy you're hanging out with, or you know the gal, like there's two gals hanging out, and y'all y'all have you know y'all like going to fish, you know fishing or hunting or playing paintball or something. I don't know basketball games. I, you know, just yeah. go do that. Just go do it. You know, go do it together. Uh, laser tag, whatever. I don't care. You know, if if we're gonna um, if we're gonna do so, if we're just, I mean, if you just want to just hang out at the house and just on the couch and just talk and that's all you want to do. Mm-hmm. That's cool too, but I mean, yeah. the, you know, I think churches sometimes will complicate discipleship to an extent that it, it just doesn't need to be. Yeah, and I, I find that most individuals who uh, aren't discipling someone, I would say, it's because they've made it harder than what it is. Like, um, despite your schedule, anyone has time to disciple. It's just oh. you asking people for your your schedule. So like, yeah. hey, I, mean, I I got twenty minutes. I need to go pick up something for my wife. Hey, come with me. Let's talk. Let's. Talk. And it's 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 intentional. So you it's have to be like on like it has to be on purpose. You can't accidentally disciple someone, <laughs> or maybe you can without knowing. Yeah. Uh, but it has to be something like you're you're thinking about. Yeah. Um, so and it's 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 a slow process. Like I think um, in our American society um, where everything's quick and efficient, um, I think the church is reminded that growth happens slowly. Like yeah. I'm. I'm wrestling with some of the sins that I was still wrestling with in college, and God's slowly but surely sanctifying, and I'm growing in those areas, but it's a slow growing process um, that I trust that his His spirit will um, finish um, fully and finally at the day of Christ, but yeah. Yeah, and um, kind of going off what you just said about slowly, sanctif- you know, God sanctifying us, um, I know some good brothers that are just, sometimes they'll doubt their salvation because they they are still in their sin and not necessarily living in it per se, but they're just, they keep going back to it. And, you know, I, I always, you know, tell them kind of that same thing that, that, that Christ, uh, he refines us over a period of time. Um, I like what MacArthur said about that, you know, repentance or uh, sanctification, I should say, a sign of your, of your salvation is in, in that is, is, a you know, a upward trajectory. You're, you're going into it. Your, your trajectory um, is, up to, to Christ, more holiness. You're on your way to holiness. You're you're continuing in that. 
Um, he said that one time. I thought that was really good, and I just I encourage people to to continue to persevere um, because obviously you know we both agree with perseverance of the saints that, that those that Christ saves He will secure He will uh, hold them fast um, to Himself um, to the end obviously and 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 so just continue to trust in Christ every single day just you know trust you know believe in the gospel every single day anew I mean just renew that love for Christ and the gospel I think that's so important to do um, and I don't know if you agree with this but someone told me that salvation is not just a one-time event salvation you know conversion is a one-time event salvation is a, a it's a process over your entire life from you know justification at whatever age it was you're you know for you is a senior year you said it was a or year before senior year yeah for you that was then but salvation is continuing for you it's not it's not like salvation is done that's it you know hallelujah you go home um it's a continual process and you're being discipled i assume um i don't, I don't want to put you on a spot but you know i assume you're being you're talking about discipleship you're being discipled um who, who's discipling you right now if, if you don't mind me asking yeah, of course. Um, right now, I would say it's a, a guy named Jeff Snyder, who's my pastor. Um, okay. So I'm a uh, pastoral staff as a pastoral resident. Um, so um, I'm basically um, following him. So okay. following him as he follows Christ. So for us, it looks like we're reading stuff together. Um, it's a little bit more focused on pastoral ministry. Yeah. Um, and uh, I focus a lot on, um, yeah, what does it look like to be a, a local church pastor? Um, in the past, I've... Uh, been discipled for two years. I lived with the family, and they discipled me. Uh, so we just like walked through passages of scripture together, um, and they were the first the first time I saw a godly marriage up close and personal. So I saw a lot of godly marriages at Cell Street, um, even before that. So I knew what a godly marriage looked like, um, but I didn't know the inner workings of one in the life of a home. Yeah. So they could have. Uh, they would have marital arguments and they would bring me to the table and watch them sort through conflict. Oh, wow. Um, they were a legit, like, they just believed that if they're going to do this as a family, which has influenced me as a family, that's why wow. our home is extension of discipling others. Um, yeah. And I, I would say if, they're, if, if you're a married couple out there, um, be intentional about discipling people together. Like, some people um, choose to disciple like the guy disciples this person, the woman disciples that person. Those are yeah. really good. But I think that's great. Keep doing that. But if there's like people who you can disciple together, there's something about that unique perspective um, of both husbands. That's and good, wife. man. Um, wow, man, dude, that's good. That that dude, that's awesome. My face. I was writing my Facebook post. You you have a lot of wisdom, man, and uh, you. I, I could tell you've you've learned. Uh, so much, and Lord's taught you a lot, man. I appreciate that. Um, that's that's actually really encouraging for me. That's something I need to look at doing. Me and my wife, even though I would say we're both discipling people individually, you know, we're not. There's really not someone that we're discipling together, right now. Um, and that's probably something we can look at doing. And so yeah. now I'm saying this on, on the podcast. Everyone can hold me accountable to that. I can, you can message me on Facebook and say, Jared, are you and your wife have you talked to her about that? You know, but no, that's that's really cool, man. Um, uh, so to, to kind of close this up a little bit, because I know I'm sure you, you have to get to bed and you have uh, discipling duties to get to. Um, um, you know, you've lived in the South mm-hmm. and you've lived, you're living now in the North. Um, mm-hmm. And you've, you've been involved in church in both North yeah. and South. Yeah. So what's, mm-hmm. what is the main difference between those two 
two environments in the local church? Yeah, um, I think uh, surprisingly there are a ton of similarities, similarities um, which, which is encouraging because I think there should be similarities to all of God's people. So, Amen, yeah, that's uh, great. Church yeah. and South should be um, loving the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, and soul, and the same thing with a, a church in the North. So there, that's been a joy. Um, but as a person who's um, lived in both, it's interesting of how uh, the cultures are different. So like, I think um, the different value systems that each culture had, so like the, the North, the North Midwest, um, more so Chicago is like that higher, um, like a lot of belief in human autonomy, um, a lot of, um, a lot of mobility. So in the South, you may go to a church where people are there for 20 years yeah. and or your longest member may have been there for eight. Yeah. Um, or even less than that, five. <coughs> so I think, excuse me. Um, so I think part of that, like the, the South seems a little bit more stable. Uh, people generally stay for a longer period of time. Um, while the North is like people are moving in and out rather quickly. Uh, and that could be part of just being a big city um, yeah. um, as well. Um, I think um, politically, um, down South is um, traditionally Republican. Yeah. Um, like it's safe to say that most people in the congregation are probably Republican. Um, and probably have been they were Republican, and their grandfather was Republican, and all yada yada. Yeah, um, yeah. That. And up north, you may have um, probably most so people are more um, Democratic um, or Democrats. Um, so, how you address that in both areas is like a reminder of both Democrats and both Republicans um, are still not Jesus. Like they still don't. <laughs> the ability to save us like we want them to. Like, yeah. um, I, I find that sometimes Republicans lean towards if we um, vote conservatively, the church will flourish and we'll have freedom and all that stuff. Um, and I echo that, that Christ does not need the Republican Party. And more Democrats um, would say that we need to be more aware of social issues such as um, crime and guns and all those different things. Yeah. Now it's like the, the Democratic Party can't save you as well. So I yeah. think um, and I think as a person who's now up north, um, and this is probably going to make me some enemies, it, it's been like stepping outside of the South. I just can now see so much of Southern idolatry, if you mm. will. Wow. Um, but, uh, we do this way because it's the, the Southern way. <laughs> um, where, where I'm living right now is there's no southern idolatry. It's Texans, uh, Texas yeah. idolatry. I mean, I'm, my wife, I'm living with someone who I'm not going to say she, you know, she idolizes a yeah. state, but she, she, she yeah, I'm not going to get in trouble. No, I'm joking. Yeah, she, um, it's just so funny. But you're, you're right. I think I would agree with you to an extent. Um, um, I mean, I, I don't have that same perspective as you, um, but, you know, I think it's, it's fair to say that some people do idolize. Um, the traditions um, of the South in a lot of ways, uh, the culture, which I love the South. Um, yep. Would not have it any other way. Um, and you probably do too. Yeah, I miss it. Um, yeah. And, and Lord willing, um, the hope and desire is to come back down yeah. south one day and um, pastor or plant a church. Cool, um, yeah. Um, so we'll see what the Lord does, but I have a, a special place. I feel like 
when I'm outside of the South, I spend more time defending the South. <laughs> oh, yeah. Still, everyone still races down South. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold up. Well, yeah. That narrative off of everyone down South that uh, doesn't think for themselves, yada, yada. So I, I fight for the South. Yeah. In, in a very theoretical sense. Yeah. Uh, consistently, but at the same time, I can see that sometimes Southern idolatry leads into our churches. Yeah. Um, and how we operate our churches and um, like unfortunately like, I can't think of one one multicultural church in Louisiana and, and for me that that's Louisiana is not all white so there's some there's still some racial lines that have been split that that the South refuses to allow to change and why not why not why not we start that in our churches um, yeah yeah, that's a that's another subject. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's a very you know that, that I mean you're you're making some good points there and and I don't know um, I don't know how to fix that man. I'm I'm not there yet. I'm not even there to to even be able to respond to that in a in probably a helpful way. Um, I'm still working through that myself on what we need to do. Um, you know, it's something you said earlier. I don't know, maybe it was a convers- maybe the conversation before pre podcast or something. But just being generous and being loving and gracious, mm-hmm. um, being being that church that's just gracious and loving and in, 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 in those things um, in your local church and, and just kind of letting you know. I think we we're talking about worship. You know, just having you know, the regular worship principle and all that, and um, you know, just having those standards and not shying away from those standards, but at the same time. Um, being loving and gracious to people that might disagree with you, that when they come and they see your church, that that you're still loving and gracious despite the disagreements there. Um, and now, obviously, race is not something a dis- disagreement per se, but it is a it's something that has caused division at times and tension. And um, I think one my only two cents is um, that we just need to start being loving and gracious and generous to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. That's, a, that's a starting place. And so, in fact, there was a sermon this morning I heard. It, uh, it was at chapel this morning. Um, a, uh, one of the professors preached on basically gathering of God's people at the table in the end. That the great, the last supper, the Lord's, the, the supper of the Lamb, is that, I think that's what it's called. The yeah. supper of the Lamb. The last one, yeah. you know, you're not going to probably pick who you're sitting next to. You know, you're, we're all sitting at that table, black, white, Asian, you know, whatever it is, whoever, whatever, uh, what, whatever ethnicity you identify with. Uh, we, we're just sitting at the table together, praising our Savior and, and worshiping Him. Um, and so, and that, essentially that's what he kind of pointed towards in the sermon, though, um, and just encouraging us that, you know, don't don't pick and choose, man. Like don't pick and choose who you let in your church, um, and you know allow to worship and and, and, and uh, gather with you. Now, obviously, I'm, this is not me saying, you know, that we have to affirm sin. You know that we affirm homosexuality, that we affirm all these you know abortion or stuff like that. Um, but no, we we welcome those people in to our our congregations and we love them and we help them and we present the gospel to them. Um, so. Um, Man, I know you got to go probably, um, so let's wrap up. But I, I wanted to ask you, give you a chance. If you, do you want to say anything else that that you haven't said that we haven't covered yet? I mean, you, I, I'm going to give you the floor right now to 
to cover if anything. Yeah, with, yeah. Um, I think one thing that I was thinking about was, um, and it's been told to me, so I don't know who said it to me, but um, it's also like when you're, if you're not a member of the local church, um, then it's it's impossible for you to obey all of Scripture, because mm. God gives commandments of love one another, serve one another, be hospitable to one another, forgive one another. All those commandments come in the context of the local church. Uh, so, so I think those who like um, are like non-committal to the church or kind of pick and choose what church. I would I would say um, and, and plead and, and say very like graciously uh, that you find yourself opposed to God's word, mm-hmm. um, and it's not something that's a little or um, small. But God has. Um, God has commanded him in his word and, and if, if the reality of your growth and your um, your relationship with the Lord is um, connected to other people's relationships with the Lord. So, That's good, man. Yeah, so I'm I'm eager for everyone to be in a, a local church and in a healthy local church. So, um, actively, uh, and I think another thing that was popping in my head is um, the necessity of prayer and, and discipleship of Sometimes the best way you disciple people is just praying together. Like if there's if you're discipling and there's never a time of praying or praying over only a small portion of the time, I think you I think you should should examine that. So Yeah, that's um, awesome. So, so spending time before the Lord in prayer and teaching yeah. people how to pray. Um, and praying for the ones you're discipling. So Yeah. That's and hey, if you want to read a good book on prayer all you got to do is go to that book. I forgot the name of it, but it's the Puritan Prayer Book. What's it called? Valley of the Vision. That's it. You got it. Go. I have a copy. I, I need to read that. I need to read that soon. Um, go to that. I mean, just reading those prayers, I think, is just so encouraging. But yeah. praying, actually pleading with the Lord about what's on your heart um, mm-hmm. and, and just yeah. seeking his uh, face and um and just in speaking to him. So that's good, man. Well, dude, Damaran, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to, to talk with me. I don't, I honestly still am curious why you decided to, to be on this podcast. Cause it's definitely not a, um, it's not a, it's not on the, the top charts of, uh, podcasting. I promise. Um, you know, but if it is, it's going to be because of this one. I promise. Uh, uh, well, we're we're in the kingdom of God, so we, we don't really care about time charts. We're just trying to be faithful. So. <laughs> Amen. That's it. That's it. That's it, brother. Thank you so much. Well, guys, I uh, want to thank you all again for, for tuning in. Um, I pray that the Lord blesses you this week. Um, as Demiron has encouraged all of those that are listening, uh, join a local church. Be a part of the local church. Uh, gather with the saints every Sunday morning, evening, and even Wednesday night if you can, just as much as possible, live life uh, for the glory of God with his people. And uh, that's all I have to say about that. Um, I pray that you have a wonderful week and uh, God bless.